Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Big news. NBC Chicago has local news streaming around the clock. No, literally 24-7. That means you can watch or listen to Chicago news on your schedule when it's convenient for you. The channel is called NBC Chicago News. You can find it on Peacock, Samsung, Roku, and Zumo. And now you can get it in one click on NBC Chicago's website and app. Just click on the 24-7 streaming news at the top of NBCChicago.com or the NBC Chicago app. Think of it as your chance to catch up with Chicago's best local news during whatever time of day works best for you. Let's play two. All right, welcome into another edition of the Cubs Talk podcast here at NBC Sports Chicago. I'm here with Layla Rahimi and James Naveau. And, you know, guys, games have just started and so have injuries. Uh, I think that goes along with the territory. Usually once you start playing baseball, you got some guys banged up. And, you know, the biggest name right now for the Cubs uh, that's on that injured list, no longer called the DL, but the IL. Uh, I'm more of an old school guy. I like saying DL. Uh, Say Suzuki, mild oblique strain. Not great news, especially considering, uh, you know, he bulked up and put 20 pounds on this offseason. Comes into camp hitting dingers and in uh, batting practice. And all of a sudden he's not there for you. And you, it's kind of a question mark as as to uh, his availability at the beginning of the season. Uh, what I mean, you know. What's your guys' reaction to Saya being, you know, sidelined for for the the for Surrey Bowl uh, future in the spring here? I, of course, went to the dark side and was like, ah, uh, that's what happens when you get swole. The old oblique strain, it stinks, doesn't it? And you guys are all nodding your heads because you know every guy who comes in jacked at some point. It's like the oblique strain or the intercostal muscle. It's going to happen. It's going to hit you somehow. At least ideally, maybe they get it out of the way early. I'm sure that's that's a blow for him, though, too, because of the promise of the World Baseball Classic and then not having that opportunity anymore, or at least not initially. So for a myriad of reasons, we hope it is something that heals quicker, sooner rather than later. But I don't foresee him being on the opening day in the opening day lineup. I don't know about you guys, but James and Nate, I don't. I think this is one of those where you just say, all right, let's try to figure out if you had to put together the Cubs opening day lineup right now. And as we were all trying to do anyway, the spring training where you put Seiya Suzuki in and, and now who the replacement would be and whether or not you like it. 
because of the log jam of people that could be playing at third base, we have to take some of that group and now figure out who could be part of the outfield. And then maybe in theory, the possible three-person platoon at first is now a one-man position. And you try to play presto, change and mix and match and see who's going to stay at the big league level, who might have gone to AAA because of this. And then also how that bench is going to take shape. So as we try to figure that out, I know we all have different names and possibilities for who might be in center. Cody Bellinger, maybe you just move him over and then right field becomes the question. That was a thought for me. And then additionally, trying to figure out if if that's Patrick Wisdom, if it's Trey Mancini. And then there's a name that I, I thought of that is out there and it's, it's a local guy in Mike Talkman. Mm. Yeah, I think that the and he's been playing well so far in spring training. He's got he's had nine at bats already. He's already collected five hits, um, has a double mixed in there. Um, Definitely turning some heads out there in Mesa. I, I think that that would certainly be maybe an outside option, maybe better than outside option at this point. I honestly can't kind of get a read on exactly what direction the Cubs are going to go. I think that the most likely outcome and the one that I think would be most palatable to me based on the depth that you have at first base is I think that you could potentially look at moving a guy like Trey Mancini out into the outfield, whether it's in left field or right field. I think that either one of those, he would be able to at least hold down the fort until Seiya is uh, ready to go. I I think maybe like a small comfort in all of this like kind of a small bright side would be how early in camp this oblique injury happened if this was like the last week of march or heck even if he was over in japan and this happened during the world baseball classic you're looking at a bigger chunk of the beginning of the season that he would be potentially missing with that oblique injury and i think that having this occur as early as it did in camp is maybe a good thing both for him and for the cubs because you get him out there on the field sooner i I think that that in that instance, a thing like Mancini would probably make more sense because it would be kind of a shorter term option. The other guy that I keep kind of coming back to and thinking long and hard about him being out in right field is Nelson Velasquez, who has had a really strong start to the spring for the Cubs. He has been striking out a little bit more than you would want to see him do it, but he's still got that home run pop that you always like to see from a guy playing a corner outfield spot. So I'd be intrigued to see if maybe he would get at least a look out there. But yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of mixing and matching parts in the early going. I don't think there's like a defined guy on the roster that I could comfortably say would slide over to right field, you know, permanently, like kind of just be like the guy to replace a, I think you're going to mix and match a lot. So I think between a guy like Mancini, a guy like Velasquez, maybe try Christopher Morell out there potentially. I, I think the Cubs have a lot of like decent options, but none of them that make me just go, yep, that is exactly what it, they're going to have to do. Yeah, I think a lot of the guys that are on, you know, in camp right now that are outfielders, you know, by name and by trade, there are a lot of young guys like like your Brennan Davis, you know, uh, young cats, as it were. So, you know, I, I I agree with you on on Mancini. I think that makes kind of the most sense to just shift him out there, you know, and, and plug and play as we go here. But yeah, the, the Velasquez option is is kind of enticing, given that he's one of the only guys that's homered uh, so far <laughs> the spring training. So, yeah, uh, I, I it it comes back to you know not having a great 
fourth outfielder option, even with Seiya, you know, you didn't really have a lot of depth at in in the outfield anyway. So, I mean, that's pretty be... much morale. Like that's I think right. like their their plan, right? Like that's sure as heck what it seems like to me. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, Mancini. I think you default to like a Bellinger Mancini center right field, right? Would take that... advantage of Bellinger's range for sure, I think, in that instance. I personally would leave Leon Hap or Ian Hap in left field. Like I don't think you mess with that and try moving him to right. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think that that's a position you want the, those two outfield spots, I think, to stay the same because of how good they are defensively. And you kind of let right field sort itself out again. It's gonna be hopefully, fingers crossed, a short term thing. I agree. I Whatever can help duplicate the season that Ian Happ just had, do it again. Yeah, and, and if that if that Continuity. also means hang out in left field, just stay there, go to your home, and you don't move around. I know he he would volunteer that, but given the production we saw, I'm not even thinking about that. It's these are the movable parts. We had to deal with this last year when say I had injury concerns as well. So yeah. Might as well try to shuffle in and out. And let's face it, we've been trying to figure this out for a little bit now, ever since they also signed Hosmer, is trying to make something out of understanding if there's a Hosmer-Mancini platoon of some sort, first base becomes a little more clear. Third is still, there's still a lot happening there. I, I I don't think you can talk about the vacancy in the outfield right now without acknowledging third, as I said earlier. So to me... Uh, if if center field, you just have to slide Bellinger over. I, I think that's an easy move. And then maybe you just put Mancini and Ryder. Like you said, there's another, there's a couple of other options too. And either way, I just keep coming back to the same thing. As much as we talk about up the middle defense and that being important, I think also is, is the Cubs defined plan or at least desire to have a bench that is very robust, that has a multitude of skill sets, mm-hmm. whether it's hit tool or perhaps defense. It seems like that has also been a real point of emphasis. Just how the talent may have been constructed when when you figure out who's available and how they wanted to get whoever they could. But at least you know that there's a lot of people here where you have some knowledge of what they do and who they are when it comes to the possibilities for the depth there. Well, it's certainly going to help if they have to slide any of those third base options out to right field that you've got Nick Madrigal, who's been lighting the world on fire over there. Eh? Uh, I love how every single time he fields a ball in spring training so far, it's been Nick Madrigal made this throw. And it's like, dude, if you're struggling to make that throw, like that would be an issue. I'm glad that he's doing it. And I mean, he is hitting what? I think it's like 333 so far in the spring. I think he's had... Uh, I think like eight or nine at bats or so, and he's already collected some hits. I mean, at least that gives you just that little, yeah, a little bit more flexibility, I suppose. Yeah, he's been hitting well. I like how we have to force Nick Madrigal into every conversation that we have about the Cubs. Like that's just, I guess, going to be the running theme here. This is the time. Like this is the time where you have to talk about everybody. Mm -hmm. Let's also bring up Chris Morell in this. If we're going to go there, he he's a name that's been brought up quite a few times. We talk about him in possibly the outfield. I asked the question based on, I wouldn't call it a slump, but what would you call how he finished 
the year. It wasn't as strong. So well, is there a possibility the that sorry is there a possibility that Morel starts in AAA? How do you describe it? Well, I mean, it's not like he's been lighting the world on fire so far in the spring, has he? I mean, he's already got six strikeouts and 11 at-bats, and I'll tell you what, he's not going to hit enough home runs to justify striking out and, you know, 50% of his at-bats. And I know we're talking about a small sample size, but wasn't that the big knock on him last year was that he struck out too much for what he was providing you in terms of being a defender and as being a hitter? He has to cut back on that. And I know, again, it's only 11 at bats, but he, he can't continue to do that. That's been one of the things that's kind of caught my attention so far at the spring is there are times where his approach at the plate has still looked kind of scattered and it's not really, you know, there's not a lot of calmness to that. It really seems like he's kind of flailing at some pitches and he's not a good enough hitter to kind of justify continuing to run him out there if he's going to be doing that. So I think that that definitely adds a little bit of an extra layer of complication, both to that right field discussion and frankly, to the third base discussion too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the the plan for the Cubs going into this season with Morrell was to kind of use him as like sort of a Jack of all trades, utility type guy, sort of like mm-hmm. your Ben Zobrist, you know, uh, light, light, light Ben Zobrist. But yeah, it's, it's not a great sign. Like you said, that he's, he's got a team high at six strikeouts. I, I'm, I'm not sure what else happened uh, in, in the latest game here, but you know, when, when you consider the end of the year that he had, and then, you know, the, the slow start so far this spring, I'd say right now, if Saya doesn't break out of camp on the roster and is hurt, then obviously Morrell probably does make the opening day roster, but there's, you know, if he, if he keeps performing like this, like this at the plate, I mean, there's a distinct possibility that he starts in Iowa. And I think that that's okay. I don't know about you guys, but to me, you have you have the roster relative depth now to let him go down to the minor leagues, let the game slow down, as we've seen it do for so many people, come back up and see how he's feeling. Yeah. Uh, the pressure is off that way. And I think because of uh, some of the success that he had at his start of, of his major league career, I wonder if that pressure can get to somebody a little bit, especially when your team isn't producing as much offensively as you'd like, then you wonder if it's up to you a lot of times to produce individually. So I'm okay with that. If that is, if that is the likely outcome, I think sometimes also regarding Mancini, not that I'm like the president of this campaign here, but he does have 2,500 innings to his name in the outfield. That's not nothing. So to me, that seems like that might be the likely possibility. Right. But it also makes you wonder what's going to happen at first. Does that become a Patrick Wisdom, Eric Hosmer production? And Wisdom, you know, his home run numbers are something that the team is, I think, still going to have to lean on as they try to figure out who's going to pick up the slack offensively because Suzuki was his pop and his bat. And at least what he could do offensively was going to be part of it, at least in theory. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny that you mentioned uh, the first base situation, not only because you're also dealing with some potential uh, injury concerns with Wisdom, who's picked up a little bit of a groin injury, but you're also looking at what Matt Mervis has been doing so far in camp. And boy, if you wanted to rank the Cubs in terms of having interesting preseasons, doesn't get more much more interesting than having a total of, I think, 13 plate appearances, striking out five times and walking four. Matt Mervis has been... 
Yeah, that's been an interesting experience so far over there. So uh, I'm kind of glad that he hasn't gone on like the Chris Bryant-esque like 2015 home run barrage where I think he had like nine home runs in Cactus League play. Everybody knew he should have been in the big leagues, didn't obviously make the big league club because of the roster control issues. But it's been interesting watching that kind of develop. But I think we should drop probably drill down just a little bit more on the wisdom aspect of this, just because that does throw a little bit of a wrench into the rest of it. I mean, if that thing lingers at all, I mean, that's a guy that you were probably looking at picking up the, you know, a good chunk of the third base starts. If Morell continues to struggle the way that he is, as you alluded to, Layla, if he has to play first base, if Mancini gets pressed into duty out in the outfield, that roster that you were talking about, that's got all these kinds of like different pieces you can fit in different places takes a bit of a hit if you're going to end up having a guy like that who, you know, can't stay quite stay healthy. The Cubs have got to hope that he just kind of, you know, shakes that issue off and is able to kind of start moving forward from it. Is it crazy to me to think that he would be okay by by opening day? You would. Yeah, I I think it's it's definitely less of a concern than say at this point. I mean, when you're talking about an oblique that's literally keeping you out of the world baseball classic and there's rumblings about opening day, that's. I think way more of a concern than wisdom. I just think that you've got to get him into the mix more and kind of see what you've got and see how often you want him to play. And that's really the only reason I would be at all concerned about uh, the groin issues that wisdom has. It does kind of seem though, that he might've been able to play through it if this was the regular season, but still kind of bears some uh, keeping an eye on just to make sure it doesn't linger or potentially get aggravated. Yeah, they termed it as day to day for him. Uh, I don't think there are really any, you know, uh, non-serious groin injuries just because, you know, they expect him to, ha- to man the hot corner and there might be a lot of, you know, type of stretching and and and, uh, and diving going on. So I'm not not concerned. Uh, but like you said, I'm not as concerned as I am about Seiya because uh, you you use the term day to day for wisdom, and you use the term wait and see. Was what David Ross said about Say Suzuki, and that's you know that that's not a great sign. Uh, I, it is kind of intriguing to to think of uh, wisdom possibly playing some, you know, getting some playing time at first base. Um, I'm not sure how many innings he's had uh, in the past in his career there, but you know, all this plug and play and and you know options and names that they have on this on this roster now it you know you start playing the games and you have a couple uh couple guys go down for a little bit and it kind of messes with the whole chemistry right there right now so I, i think it also messes with the plan here we are talking about how important up the middle is the middle of the defense the very middle up the middle and we've we've made that known they made it known when they have tucker barnhart now catching when you have of course, Dan, Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner behind at short and second. And then we talk about the shift rules coming into play. And then what's that mean for center field? It becomes that much more important defensively. Like I, I'm defensively is the number one name of the game for me right now with this. I'm not even trying to consider the offense to me. That's secondary. So it also makes me wonder what's happening over at third because you better make those throws now that the shift is is so obvious. There might be some sort of shifting, as we've discussed, at third, based on the new rules. But still, it's going to be a little more complicated than it was before. 
Yeah, and it's not. It's definitely not something where you can kind of throw whoever you want over there and just kind of hope for the best. The Cubs definitely are looking at this very seriously. They know that Nick Madrigal has shown to be a pretty good defensive second baseman, and they're kind of hoping that it does translate, and they're hoping that the arm doesn't become a significant issue over there. And it's not like we've had you know a bunch of plays this season so far, or the preseason so far, where he's had to make that that throw from behind third base or make you know. a a throw from deep in the hole when he cuts over to the left there. I mean, there's still, I'm sure we're seeing some of that on the backfields in Mesa and he's probably working extensively on that. But I think at this point, just based on the amount of time he's gotten over there and the amount of kind of press we've seen about it, the Cubs are very serious about that being a potential option. And that does lend you a little bit of flexibility with some of these other guys. If any of these injuries linger for a guy like Seiya or elsewhere on the roster. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Yeah, and you know, not not from a defensive perspective, but you know, you just look at the the type of spring that Edwin Rios is having right now, and it's not you know exactly encouraging uh, for him getting more playing time there. You know, I I know I realize they just took a flyer on him, and you're just going to see what you throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks. Uh, but you know, the whole that little premonition that that they had at the beginning of the season or beginning of the of the winter, you know plugging in some uh, Nick Madrigal at third base, it might actually come to fruition to start the season. I I'm, I'm just not, you know, you're going to run out of names at a certain point. If Morell's not hitting, if Mar- and striking out too much, like you said, and you know, if you, if you got to plug uh, wisdom over at first to spell Hosmer, you're, you're talking, you know, who you got left really. Yeah. Okay, let's go over some of the names that you could have at just a third. Take take injuries out of everything. Here are some of the names. Patrick Wisdom, Nick Madrigal, Christopher Morell, Zach McKinstry, Ed, Edwin Rios, and Miles Mastroboni. That's six people. Are you telling me that you're are you concerned about any of them potentially hitting as options right now? Cause I think that there's I mean, with the way Morel's been hitting, Edwin Rios has five strikeouts and seven at bats so far. They really haven't seemed to use McKinstry a whole bunch at third base from what I've seen. So, no, they're just possibilities. (sighs) And McKinstry's out of options, isn't he? Well, yeah, and that would make you think that they would want to try to really look at him at third base because I feel like his defensive ability over there alone would warrant a look. But it's not like they've been super jazzed about that situation. So... Man, I don't know what to tell you, Layla. It's been a very strange um, spring training so far with that spot. And I know we have a lot of questions coming into this uh, Cactus League schedule. Not like any of them have really been answered yet over there. 
I, I'm not surprised. We, of course, we're like this. And and how many games are we even in? Like this, this is typical. It's like, hey, it started. Oh yeah, now here's all our questions. Will it be like this forever? Find out. Probably. I don't know. We're all doomed. Doom and hey, gloom. Can, can we talk about something fun? Can we? I don't know. <laughs> is there should. anything fun? Sure, there is pitching. Okay, well, oh, but yeah. then Justin Steele is hurt. Like, what? You're you're automatic. Yes. You're going into another sad area. Oh, you meant the fifth starter. Oh, okay. <laughs> what do you guys think? How is it not Hayden Wisniewski? Yeah, I think it's hey, Wisniewski. Hey, hey, I've hey, been hey, super hey. impressed. Yeah, I hey, I was impressed. impressed with Javier Assad too. True. I mean, man, I, I was too. I thought he pitched really well in his first appearance in Cactus League play. And I know we're ba- all just as a preface. All of this is based on two innings of work for, I think, every single guy that we're about to bring up. So that it's caveat two innings aside, of work in what we saw last season. That caveat aside, Hayden Wisniewski had a really strong finish to the season last year. Obviously, tons of upside, tons of potential. They would not have given up Scott Efros if they were not convinced that this guy could potentially be at the very worst kind of a mid rotation guy. He came in for his first spring training appearance and he lit up, man. He looked really good. And I don't even think his stuff was at like peak efficiency either, which is like the craziest part of all of that to me. I thought he looked really strong and he struck out four batters. He looked really good in that first appearance and he's doing nothing to kind of deflate the sales of people who want to see him in this rotation and then to stick in this rotation to start the season. One of those I, batters, by the way, Julio Rodriguez, y'all. Now he might like, be good. Not, I don't know. Not just not looking. just any person. But I'm sorry, Nate. I, I've interrupted you too many times. Me. Oh no, you're good. We... Well, he, he struck out J Rod looking. So yeah, that was, that was a good good little start to the uh, the first inning there the other day. But here's here's the uh, here's the tempting side of of the flip side of this coin. He is dominant in the bullpen. Like there's, he's one of those like luxury bullpen items. Like right now, I think that if you're a contending team, you're like, oh, we're going to roll out that guy. And I say that knowing the potential he has and just what he was able to do in the whip number last year was so encouraging. When you have an 094 whip after how many innings he threw, what was that? 33, I think. 33 on a dot. Right. So to me, man, there's a part of me that thinks maybe you just keep him in the bullpen. Is this luxury, pricey, spendy? We've already got our guy, bullpen guy. Uh, but I, I, I just think like based on what he's shown already, he probably ends up being the number five star. But yeah, I, I think Assad also has those bones, right? Like he's got that makeup. Mm-hmm. To me, those are the two that probably stand out. How do you factor Adrian Sampson into this, guys? Or Caleb Gillian? Yeah. Uh, yeah, good grief. Like, all of them are solid potential options here. And I, I know that inevitably you're going to experience some injuries when you hit the regular season and you're going to have guys who are going to have to come in and step up. 
I would think Killian just ends up being at, le- at the very least the odd man out. I think the Cubs are really going to want him to start in Iowa and kind of continue to build on some of the things that we've seen him be able to do in his brief appearances with the team. I think that that's the most likely scenario. I just don't see him climbing over every single one of the guys in this battle. I, I think, Layla, your point about that being a potential luxury item with Wisniewski is well taken. My thing is, is that I really genuinely feel like you have to look at this more from the perspective of 2024 and beyond, as opposed to just this season with him. I would rather the Cubs keep him on that development track as a starting pitcher, because when was the last time this farm system legitimately produced a pitcher who could have that second, third starter, you know, ceiling, right? Like I, I, I know it did not, te- he's not technically developed by the Cubs, but I think that the way they handle him this season is going to go a long way towards his future. I think if the long-term plan is to have him fill that role for this team, and I think all indications are stuff and otherwise that that is how they see him. I think you really owe it to him to keep him on that track and not keep, putting him in the bullpen, pulling him back to the rotation. I want to see full steam ahead. Hayden Wisniewski in a rotation of some kind. If you want to have Adrian Sampson pitch in the rotation to start the season based on the strength of the hundred plus innings he threw last season, I think that's totally fine with me. And I'd be totally fine with Wisniewski pitching every fifth day in Iowa. Like it's not the most ideal situation. I would love to see Wisniewski, you know, blowing guys, you know, blowing his fastball by guys up here, it'd be awesome. I just really think that you have to look at it in from his perspective. You have to look at this in the long-term lens. And I really think that the Cubs should do that. And I think would be the smart thing to do that. Don't let 2023 get in the way of what you think the long-term future is of a guy like Hayden Wisniewski. I really hope that they're careful with him. And I think that, you know, he if he earns the fifth spot, great. I also think that if you really want to protect his future, keep him in the rotation at all costs. Yeah, I to- I totally agree. I I think Iowa, you know, m- kind of makes the most sense for him if he does not win that for the spot because I don't I don't want to waste bullets as uh, you know to to sort of uh quote carry wood. You only have so many so many bullets in the arm. And when you're talking about a guy that could potentially be a number three starter or, or you know, possibly number two, I don't know. Um, with Wisniewski, you know, it, it, he's a guy that gets fans excited. He He's a guy that, you know, with, with that fastball, with what he can do, with movement, with spin, he's the type of guy that, you know, in, in 24, 25, that's actually going to sell tickets. That's actually going to mm-hmm. get people jazzed up and like, hey, Let's go see. Let's go see the Wisniewski start, uh, and 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 furthermore, I know it's a small sample size so far. This the, you know in the one outing this spring, he did throw eleven balls in only thirty four pitches. Not exactly a great number. Well, that's um, why I w- that's why I mentioned I thought the stuff may not have been as sharp as it usually is because he did yeah. kind of have some uh, command issues at times while he was striking out four batters. Yeah, and he immediately bounced back too. I mean, that was great to see. Like it wasn't just like, "Oh, you know, I I I I let a couple of guys get on and and you know, then things fell apart in the second inning." Like he he legit bounced back and struck out two more guys. That's yep. that's exactly what you want to see. Um, like for, for my money, I would love him to be, you know, the number five starter 
to start the season. But like you said, James, if it's not the best, if if he doesn't win the job out, I don't know that it's the the best option for him to to start. You know, bringing him back to the bullpen, and then and then hey, here's a spot start because because uh, Justin Steele's out for the for you know two mm-hmm. starts or or Smiley or whoever. It it that just rings as you know you're you're kind of just messing with the guy's development more so than just oh you know we like to have this uh, this uh, little uh, I don't know uh, option out of the out of the bullpen that can come in and, and strike a couple guys out but is that really the best option for him in his future? Layla, Somebody, do you see him potential? Do you see Javier Assad maybe being a slightly better option just because he's a little bit further along on his development track? That was the kind of, I think, follow up to kind of the Wisniewski talk would just be if you thought that maybe that would be a role that you would consider him in. I think he's embraced that role. I think that's the role he wants to have. Uh, somebody is going to be that guy on any given pitching staff. Somebody's going to be the one who is flexible and can be the bullpen slash number 5.5 starter, however you want to phrase that, somebody is going to have to be that person. I think the difference now is that when it comes to Hayden Wisniewski, not only did they trade for him, they they found somebody who was a diamond in the rough in a trade in pitching, which is huge in and of itself. But it's also the fact that they have these options and these tracks to develop him now. And they've got people in the front office who know and came from organizations who know how to develop young pitchers. I'm talking about Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So I have trust in the assessment and the data and trying to figure out how they're placing those people. Like this is, this is one of the real bright spots of this team is the, the youth potentially of some real building block pieces on this pitching staff, including hopefully Stroman building on the year he had last season. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many like intriguing arms in this rotation. I know Layla, we've talked a ton on this show about Marcus Stroman and just kind of the impact he's going to have. The more we keep talking about Hayden Wisniewski and Justin Steele and all these guys, I'm thinking about that 2025 rotation with Stroman, with Steele, with Killian, with Wisniewski. They're, they are building something really good with that. And I think that your point about the development attitude that they've kind of borrowed from the Cleveland Guardians with the Hawkins hiring, I think, is really well taken. I think that that's something that cannot be overstated with the way they're kind of putting everything together. I think to kind of put a little bit of a bow on the idea of having the guy who can make the spot starts when needed to and can also be a shutdown option out of the bullpen. I actually I still really like the fact that David Ross went into this Uh, preseason this spring training saying that Keegan Thompson was going to be that guy. I think that over the years we've seen him do well in both roles, but I think that that ability to have that lights out stuff in those kind of bursts of two and three innings out of the bullpen, I think is a really great weapon for the Cubs to have. And I think that identifying a guy like Keegan Thompson who has been able to do both things really well, I think is really a key to this whole thing. And I think that if he can stay healthy and stay effective in that role, I I think that that guy, that ability to kind of jump back and forth that you alluded to, boy, Keegan Thompson just seems tailor-made to that. And I think that's a huge asset for the Cubs if they can get him to do that. 
That's a great point on Thompson. Um, I, another guy, you know, less success in the starting role, uh, but some, you know, considerable success in relief was Albert Alzale. Um, oh, yeah. God, I, I mean, can't believe we didn't even bring him up yet. Great call, dude. No, but it's it, it's just that, you know, toward the end of his uh, last trial in the rotation, things kind of just sputtered out. Uh, he got hurt. So, yeah, I mean, I personally, I've been waiting most of my life for a Cubs uh, farm system that actually produces consistent pitching and like just throws guys out there every every fifth day like the Cardinals have for the last, I don't know, 50 years. Um, it seems like they they always have another guy ready to go. And my entire, you know, almost my entire life as a Cub fan, outside of the wooden prior years, we've <laughs> we've been we've been signing guys or or trading for guys. And, you know, you give up more capital and you you really didn't have that plan. You didn't really have that that trajectory of like, OK, this is our guy. We're going to go out and, you know, make sure that this is best for him and. We've got all these options at, at three, four, five. I've been, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for 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 a cub, a cub farm system or a cub organization standpoint to actually have that happen. Like like you said with with Thompson and Steele, Wisniewski. Like it actually, it's actually really exciting, an exciting time, you know, to to be watching this team develop young pitching. Like it, it's it's just. It's refreshing to see, and you know, not that I don't long for the days of John Lester and and John Lackey, but they weren't our guys. You know, they they you you had to go out and spend, and and you know, at the end of the day, like you can only do that so long, right? Well, I mean, they didn't give up much to get Kyle Hendricks and no. Jake Arrieta, so there are some successes in that area. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mentioned that to the to the Rangers fan, Kyle Hendricks. He would have been he would have been helpful for a few years. Hey, is uh, uh, Jake Degrom pitching yet, Layla? Oh. <laughs> the Astros are still in that division. I know we're not still doing a lot of division talk, but uh, still very real when you consider, and frankly, Seattle as well. And oh yeah, by the way, Shohei Otani, and you know. Yeah, that whole angels good. situation. Uh, yeah. It's, are you guys worried at uh, all? They're trying. About, uh, they're trying. You guys worried at all about Suzuki not being able to go over to Japan and uh, woo Shohei Otani? Is that anything that uh, popped into your heads? I, uh, I, I didn't Shohei think he was Otani's actually going to woo him anyway. Yeah. I, isn't Shohei Otani trying to figure out who's writing his checks? I mean, <laughs> I'm selling yeah. the team. I'm not selling the team. What happened there? <laughs> yeah, stuff. I don't know. It's a situation I wouldn't want to be a part of if I was Shohei. But, you know, God only knows he's just going to, you know, switch zip codes out there in California and go to the Dodgers anyway and render all this moot. But I digress. We don't have to talk about him on every show, and I promise we won't. Remember that time we thought the Manny Machado might sign somewhere else? <laughs> nope. Boy, that was a fun couple of days. <laughs> what was that, two hours? <laughs> Did I see that there's, uh, they're already talking about extensions for Juan Soto? Like, good grief, dude. Like, if that doesn't tell you what they expect salaries to be in the coming years, I don't know what does. Oh. 
Well, you know what, guys? I think all this points to is that big market teams need to really step up because if teams like San Diego are going to be willing to spend that much, guess the Cubs are going to have to wade into some deeper uh, financial waters too. I Those waters are pretty deep. My I don't hands know. Together. <laughs> Let's not, we're not banking on any of that just yet, but Hey, you know what? They did go out and sign Dansby Swanson. I'm not going to knock them too much here. They've signed some other deals in the past. I just think that when you have a franchise player of that caliber, you got to just really go, you know, for the gusto with those signings. And I think that that's a signal of where this sport is going. It really is. Absolutely. I, I fear that, uh, you know, the middle class in many ways is is getting raced at levels. And I think baseball is a good example of how you're seeing the haves and the haves and the really haves kind of put that all together. And with that bleak note, I say it is time that we we look forward to what is ahead in spring training in another episode of this year podcast. <laughs> yeah, that wraps it up for this edition of the Cubs Talk podcast here on NBC Sports Chicago. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.